What's up, my fitness professional boy and girls? Today on the DTF podcast, we are going to talk about things that I wish I knew before I became a personal trainer. I'm Dayton McPherson. That's Kyle Radoon. Welcome to the podcast. What's up, brother? How are we doing today, man? I'm doing well. I'm actually very excited for this one. This is probably my favorite one that we've done so far. The the one that I was most looking forward to, just some of those secrets of the trade that I wish that I knew before I, I jumped into it, uh, that no one ever tells you. You don't read from any of your CPT books. There are just some things like as you start working as a coach, you're like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so I know that you and I can talk about this one for a long time. So uh, I'm really excited. Yeah, if I wrote a CPT textbook, the first chapter would be named You're Broke. You will not make money for a little while before yep. you're rich. Yep. Chapter two would be Time, You Don't Have Any. Zero. Um, zero time. And the third chapter would be You're Not Really a Trainer, You're Just a Therapist. Um, now, Ooh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so obviously, I'm joking a little bit um, and I make it sound a little negative, but I do think it's important that. Uh, people, we talked about this a little bit, is you, you're passionate about being at the gym. You're a gym rat. Uh, so you want to become a fitness trainer and you get into the gym and all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, there's a lot of things going on here that are fitness related uh, that I didn't know or didn't see coming. And you kind of yeah. go, maybe this isn't necessarily the the lifelong career that I wanted. And it's a really tough space to be in is you spend all this time, energy, money, becoming a certified professional but then you're like wait a minute i can't even work here like this is this is not what i want to do so as much as this episode kind of comes off a little negative being like all the all the bad things about being a personal trainer there's some truth that you need to kind of know what you're getting into and make sure this is the right thing for you because we know for sure that once you're in it and you're successful you will be happy it'll be the most rewarding job of your life yeah but I got to get I, to that point. Yep. I agree with that. So your first chapter was you're broke. Is that what money. you said? That it yeah. Was for, money. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, so, go ahead. Like, did, when you got into personal training, were you like, oh, I'm going to be rich now? No, God, no. Like, I didn't know like what personal trainers charged. I didn't know how much they made of that. Like I worked at a larger gym and let's kind of talk about like your, your CPT at first. Most of them are upwards of 500 to $1,000. Like if you're just coming out of college or you're looking to make a career change, you just left your job, like that's a lot of money to invest in to get started. So right there, you're already spending a big chunk of money to get certified. Most gyms won't even hire you unless you have a certification. So right there, you've already invested X number of dollars into this newfound love, career, and then you start applying. We kind of talked about that uh, a couple of episodes ago with some gyms that you can look at and what ones are going to be important for you to ask certain questions. And then you get there and you're like, okay, cool. Like I get paid $35 an hour or whatever that it might be. And you're like, wow, 35 times 40, I'm going to be making X number of dollars like in my paycheck. Yeah. I hate to burst your bubble. You're not going to be making $35 uh, right off the bat um, for 40 hours. I did an interview this past week or two weeks ago. And the individual was like, yeah, I really need full-time status. I'm making a career change. And I was like, yeah, that, that, that's not how it works. Um, he just got his CPT, never worked in a gym before. Uh, typically at most facilities, when you jump on, you're going to get anywhere between 10 to maybe 30 hours a week with uh, floor hours, 
Uh, as some of you might know it, that's your time to prospect, do consultations, go out to other businesses and find people. And it's like, okay, typically you're making minimum wage doing that. And if a lot of people don't know that at all. Yeah. If they're willing to pay you at all, some, some places don't, they're like, Hey, you want to work here? You got to go get your own clients. See you later. And sometimes they teach you how to do that. And sometimes they don't. So if you find a place that's willing to pay you full-time status to, to jump into that, and they're going to educate you on how to go out and get clients. Awesome. That's great. But typically in the industry, that's not how it works. Like you're going to come on in a part-time status and we all know that part-time means you're also not getting benefits and health insurance, uh, paid time off, all that good stuff that comes later on. So if you need those things to survive, you're going to want to have to build up your uh, clientele base very quickly to make sure that you can get those full-time status benefits for sure. Yeah. So I think, you know, you touched on uh, people that have a full-time career and they want to get into fitness. You know, there's, there's two ways to do it, right? There's the quit your job jump with both feet in and go all the way. Or yeah. there's the, you know, start working nights and weekends and start to transition out of your old job and into personal training. And there's two ways that there's two things that kind of go into that is if you are, you are someone that kind of goes all in on something and you've had that kind of success. I sometimes will actually push people to just, you know, make the jump, quit the job, dedicate yeah. full time hours, because that's how people end up success successful. Put your feet to the fire. Yeah. Now, the safer way is to back off some of your hours of your full-time job or you go part-time and then you start working as a trainer on nights and weekends. Um, now, they both have their pros and cons. I think if you you do it that way, you end up building your business really slow and you may not end up uh, working as a part-time. Like You might get stuck in that yeah. part-time situation. Yeah. So it is definitely hard. Yeah. And see, I would challenge people to dive both feet in like automatically like that's the type of person that i am because if i don't have another job i don't have anything holding me back i have no other option but to be successful almost to like a fear factor like if this doesn't work out i've got nothing on the back burner so i'm gonna put full force ahead i know that you've seen it as well as me people that work at like three different gyms They've got clients in the morning at one. They've got clients, you know, at night at another. And then on Saturdays, they go teach classes because typically what happens when people come on and they get those 25 hours and they realize that it takes so long to build up your clientele base. They're like, oh, I, I need more money. I'm going to go to another gym to help me out. When you do that, you're doing yourself a disservice. Like you really have to just go all in on one place and become full time. Like if you if you're hopping around, you'll never get full time. Then you gotta like add in how much gas that you're driving back and forth to all these places. If I've got a job at three gyms, I'm not spending all my time in one, so I'm having less people see me. Like if you're a part time coach, there are plenty of times during the day that people never even see you. They don't know who you are. Like how many times has that happened, Kyle, as a manager, when you're like, oh, this trainer, and they're like, who's that? because they're not there. And it's like, if, if anybody ever is like, who's that you're not spending enough time in your gym. So my suggestion is dedicating all of your time to one place, even though it does take a little bit longer to build up to that full-time status, you're going to be more successful in the long run. Yeah. I mean, I talk about running for mayor all the time, right? You ever, uh, you ever meet a politician that had a full-time job and was able to win yeah. over all their votes with their yeah. spare time. That's what I mean, they do. 
yeah, clearly that's not how it works. People have to fund them to go out yep. and campaign. Now, though, yep. unfortunately, in fitness, no one's going to fund that for you. So, yeah, you better have uh, a little bit of a savings account and a plan. Now, of yep. course, this episode's titled Things I Wish I Knew Before Becoming a Personal Trainer. And we started off with money. And that's really what this whole conversation is about, right, is being able to make that jump, but understanding that you're not getting a paycheck for a little while. Now, if you're yeah. used to, you know, if you made $100,000 a year, it's going to take years for you to get back to that place. Yep. And the other thing that people don't realize is if you have a family and you rely on, you know, health insurance, you're not going to find a job that's going to give you health insurance. So this is not an industry where, you know, it, it's you get paid a lot and it's very uh, rewarding, but nothing is handed to you. Absolutely I nothing. I will say that some of the gyms do give you health insurance. You just have to find the right one. Or if you're trying to get to like a manager position or a leadership position, typically they do give you health insurance if you want to build up to that. Um, but again, it does take some time to get there. You're, you're not going to jump right in like another job where they're like, yep, you're starting at 40 hours. Like it, it's just something that you have to, to realize and to get to that 40 hours. The other thing that I wish that I knew <laughs> when I started this off is you got to sell yourself. <laughs> I think I said this in an earlier episode, all of your personal training books that you've read, all the articles online and everything like that. Nobody ever tells you how to sell. They're like, yeah, you got you to sell personal training or you got to get clients. Okay, well, how do you do that? It's really a skill set. There are people who are not, you know, born with that scale or sorry, sales skill, but you can learn it. I was really, really bad at it when I first started. I, I remember that my first manager and leader was like, dude, you, you got to sell more than six session programs that were like $300 because and they're 30 was, minutes. Yeah. 30 minute sessions. <laughs> and you know, I just felt comfortable with that because I was thinking about it in terms of my own bank account. That's mm -hmm. what I would be able to afford. Not thinking of all these other people that are twice or three times my age that, that have the funds and the means to invest in me and my expertise. Like, mm -hmm. so if you can find a gym, that will teach you their sales techniques, sales processes. Like that's really good. Um, you know, Kyle and I were doing health tracks university to try to help those coaches. And I think what's important with sales is that it's not just like selling is the hard thing. The hard thing is like digging deep into an individual's like psyche so that you can find their heartstring. Like, why is this person really in front of you? Not that they just want to lose weight. Like that, mm -hmm. that's a surface level goal. Like what, what's really motivating this person. And if you can find that and you're good at that, I would say that 75% of the time people will invest in you because you care and you can show them that you care. Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, with that said is you have to be prepared to do all of those things and have that uh, desire because mm. again, no expectations, no guaranteed money, and it is all sales. So if that was chapter one, do you have anything what's else? Chapter two. What, yeah, no, what's say, chapter two? That's it. Chapter two. Chapter two is all about time. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and I joke that you're not going to have any. Um, yeah. Now, Very true. In, this, in this little segment, we're definitely going to talk a little bit about work-life balance. And I'm going to pass that along to Dayton for the sure. work-life balance. You're really good at that. Uh, I'll be the first one to say I'm the worst. Uh, when I dedicate myself to something, I put life on the back burner and everything falls apart. But my business was always successful. 
whenever I took time off for me, I took a vacation, I did X, Y, Z. I always felt like I took a step back. So it was really hard for me uh, to kind of make that work-life balance. But sure. real quick, before we get into that, uh, you have to understand how much time it really cons- consumes of your life. Because if you have 15 hours of work, training clients, you need to know that you're going to match that with as much work outside of the gym as you're going to match inside of the gym. You need yeah. to write their programming. You need to build rapport with your clients. You need to check in with them outside of their training sessions. See if they're injured, tight, sore. You know, Are you helping them get to the results that they're looking for? It's a lot more that goes into that outside that hour. Then if you want to keep building your business, you still have to put in that 15, 20 hours of prospecting that got you the first 15 hours. So now we're looking at 45, 50, 60 hours for what you're going to get work for about 15 hours total. Right. right. That's a lot of hours for not as much money. So that's something that you really want to think about. Yeah. And the reason that as coaches, we get paid way more than minimum wage, you know, I would say that most gyms are anywhere between like $20, you know, some of them may pay up to $50 an hour. Like those extra dollars are to make up for all the extra stuff that you're going to be doing outside of the gym. And Kyle's right. Programming, prospecting, emailing, texting, all that stuff. Like it does consume a lot of what you do outside of the gym. And you have to think about, okay, I'm making money for 15 hours right now. Well, what you don't get paid for now is going to pay off later. So I always think of it in terms of, okay, I have a floor hour right now, which I'm getting paid $15 an hour to do prospecting. How can I turn this $15 into more dollars in the future? So if I call 20 people in that hour, let's say that I can book 10 consultations. Of those 10 consultations, three of them may become my clients. And And I'm talking averages right here, okay? So we've got three people who are going to become clients who just invested a thousand dollars in let's say a 12 week program or something along those lines. So it took me one hour to book those appointments and to get clients. All right. So I turned that $14 into $3,000 over the course of that hour. Do the dividends pay off right then and there in that hour? No, of course not. And then from those three people, if I can make two of them stay with me for years and years and years, I took $14 or $15 for that uh, service hour or floor hour and turned it into paychecks for years and years and years to come. It's not just in that instant. It's in the future. How is this going to help me? Yeah, no, you have to be looking at big picture. This is an investment in your time. Now, it's really no different than like a stock investment. I am going Hmm. to pour in and I am going to pour in now in hopes and granted, in, in stocks, you hope. In here, we actually have some control over it, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, but sure. in hopes that that money is going to not only come back to you as the investment, but three, four, five, tenfold on that, right? So if I'm spending my first three months, I'm working 40, 50, 60 hours and getting paid for 10, 12, 14. Now that yep. doesn't work out for me in the beginning in the right now. But when I fast forward to that three, four, fifth year, I have this big book of clients. My clients refer other clients. They start doing the business for me. They start, I start having the experience and the testimonials and the, the refer of friends that I don't have to do that anymore. Cause I, and I don't know about you, 
But after a few years, I had so many good testimonials that people were bringing their friends in. They were saying, hey, you got to train with Kyle. Hey, you got to train with Kyle. Yeah. I stopped making the phone calls and I had to stop yep. doing the prospecting because it started to come back to me. But I made those first couple of years of my life in this industry, I, not to scare anyone away, but I mean, it was pretty miserable for a little while. I was it's, just it's living a grind, paycheck man. to paycheck and yeah, yeah early it, morning, 5 a.m., 9 o'clock at night. Yeah. yeah. You, you got to, but then you can start to build your business around your life after that, which I think is really important. Um, so one of the things that I wholeheartedly have in my own business is called a seven to seven rule. And I actually got this from one of our good friends, Matt Wright, who is my mentor. He was uh, one of the people that I met at Health Tracks. He was my fitness leader, still a good friend. And he has a 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. rule. That's when he works, okay? So 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., clients can text him, call him, other fitness leaders, other people in the business can let him know what's going on. Emails, I don't care when you email me, okay? But if you're going to use my personal cell phone to call or text me, it needs to be within those hours. That's when I work. Other than that, I've got my phone set up that it won't even buzz and I won't even get it. It goes like nowhere, Okay. So for me, that's really important because when I'm getting home, I want to try to be at home. And I struggled with that too in the beginning where I was trying to grind so hard and so much, get so many clients, get so many people in my schedule that it, it became more of a struggle to balance like my work life outside of there and try to do things with friends and family. Um, and so I just set that rule. I let all my clients know about it. If anybody messages me outside of there, I won't even get it. And they know that like, I'll get to the gym and someone would be like, Oh, did you get my message yesterday? I'm like, no. What time? They're like, Oh, it was like nine 30. I was like, well, I was asleep and it's outside of my rule. They're like, Oh, I was like, yeah. And then I won't even ask what it was about because it's like, I, I have those rules for myself and it, it makes me feel more sane. So once you get to that point, it's okay to set boundaries for yourself because you will get people who call you at midnight. You will get people who message you at four o'clock in the morning. So sometimes I'm a jerk. And if I see that they message me at nine o'clock at night, I will call them at 4 a.m. when I get up and be like, oh, hi, how are you? And they're like, what time is it? And I was like, well, you messaged me outside of you know an appropriate hour. So I figured I'd do the same to you. What's up? They don't like that. But teachers have a lesson. Don't do that. I have one rule. That's it. So now you guys are starting to see the ways that Kyle and I are a little bit different. Oh God, it couldn't be more different, right? So I don't have the balls for that. I'll be honest with you, right? Like <laughs> uh, Dan has set that with expectation with his clients all the time and it doesn't surprise them. Now for me, because I did not institute this rule um, when I was a full-time trainer. Now things have changed in my life and my career. Sure. So I've actually um, adopted this a lot more now that I actually run my own private studio but when I was in the big box gym, uh, I I really struggled with this because I did not put my foot down. Uh, clients would text me at midnight and I just didn't answer. And I would get back to them the next day at some point, but yeah. it got out of hand. And yes, they will call you drunk about which cocktail has less calories. And it's like, you know, we have to set some boundaries. Right. Yeah. Um, so we talked about a lot of the kind of the the client and sales part of the time. But I think there's other a couple other things that I wanted to touch on too. Um, the, the times you work, of course, are at the times that 
nobody else is working. So when you think you're out and you want to go out for dinner with all your friends that just got out of work at five o'clock, well, guess what? Your shift just started. Yeah. Uh, the people that can afford you have probably have nine to fives. Um, I know right now it looks a little different. People are working from home and finding more time to train throughout their day, which is what I'm seeing now. I get a couple of clients at like, you know, 11 and one more often, but generally yeah. speaking, uh, the people that can actually afford to hire you go at work nine to five. That means you are working 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. You are working 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Well, those are eight to 10 hours a day that you have that you're working. Yep. What do you do from nine to five? <laughs> so this is one of those things where you're going in the morning, then you're coming back, you're coming home, maybe you have lunch, maybe you're doing whatever you do, take care of your dog, your house, whatever. Then you go back to work, you're doing some prospecting, you're making phone calls, you're doing emails, and then you get ready for your five o'clock shift and now you work all night long. Well, the shitty thing is, is that late night turns into an early morning and you're doing this every single day. So I think that's something that people need to really understand is the time that you're working. And then the second part of that funny schedule now is you're, you got into this because you like working out. So mm. when did you used to work out? Oh, you used to work out in the morning or after work. Well, guess yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. Now you work out when no one else works out, which as a trainer, I actually like because the gym would be empty. Uh, but ultimately... Now it's it screws you up a little bit. I have a hard time with working out now because I am so busy. I get to choose. Am I going to have lunch in my hour break or am I going to go work out? And if I choose right. to work out, that means I'm starving for the next four hours while I train my clients. Yeah. And if I choose to eat, then I'm all pissed off because I didn't get my workout in today. Yeah. So like there is that constant struggle with time. Yeah. You, you kind of have to prioritize as best as you can. Like half the time you're just shoveling food in your mouth. You don't even warm it up. You don't have time or you're just having seven protein shakes a day because you, you just don't have the time to, to sit down and do that stuff. And like you live and die by hours. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is like you have a client from eight to nine, nine to 10, 10 to 11, 11 to 12. If I'm going to put a half an hour gap in between there, well, that half an hour doesn't really do anything like you don't have enough time to go use the restroom you know sit down and do a couple of prospecting calls the way that i would make my schedule was i would put like six people back to back to back okay so from 5 a.m to 11 i'm book solid then i'm going to use the next three hours where i'm going to sit down on my butt open up my computer do all my prospecting stuff and then i would work out for two hours and eat. And then I would train again for like four more hours. And that was the way that I built my schedule because it worked for me. If you're the type of person that wants 15 minutes to 30 minutes in between your training clients, you want to pee, you want to go have a snack and stuff like that. You're not making money in that hour. Yeah. Kyle? I want to I jump in on that one because you know something, I actually hate this a lot because I hear this from trainers all the time. They want to have a time for a snack. They want to have time for a bathroom break. So they put a half an hour between their clients. You know what really typically happens? And if you've been doing this long enough, you know, if I have an eight to nine a.m. and my client's done at 9 a.m., does that hit strike 9 a.m. and that client turns around and walks out the front door, or you turn around and walk away? Absolutely not. They finish up, they're out of breath, they want to talk to you, they're asking you certain things, they're, you know, whatever, we're walking back up to the front desk. Now my 30 minutes is actually 25. Then I get up to the front desk and in the 30 seconds I'm there, I've just fielded three questions from another random member, maybe someone that's at the front desk, someone left me a message. Now, now I have about 14 minutes. I run back into the staff room to try and microwave my lunch. 
Now my client just showed up 10 minutes early and is standing there at the front desk waiting for me. And I haven't even eaten. <laughs> now it might sound like, okay, well, who cares? They're early. They can wait. Well, if you're a professional, you know, damn well that you want to be standing up there with them welcoming when they come into the gym. Yeah. So now you've put off your half hour. You didn't get paid for it. And you didn't even get to like refresh or eat or yeah. and no. So my way, I always jam them together because when I'm trying to say bye to a client and my next one's walking in, it's way easier for me to be like, yeah. Hey, hey, hey John, uh, Susie's here. She's waiting for me. So uh, yep. I'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Yep. Adios. And then I turn around and I'm with my other client. Yeah. Everyone's happy and I have no time wasted. So right. I know some people need those breaks, but I find that you have to take 90 minutes in between them if you wanted to have a snack and a bathroom break. And if right. you do that more than once a day, you're now your schedule is ruined. So yeah. I, I just really encourage people. If you can only do three back to back, then you do three back to back, not right. one, a half hour, one, a half hour. Right. So I think that's yep. important to kind of just go over there. So talking about schedules a little bit more with like your clients, I think that there's a couple other things that are relatively important to touch on. So number one is a lot of the times your clients will have to cancel on you for whatever reason. And I think it's important that whether or not you work, (laughs) whether or not you work at a big box gym or you're doing this on your own, or you just got started, make sure that you have some sort of cancellation policy set up for yourself. So my cancellation policy is a 24 hour notice. That's it. doesn't matter if it was an emergency, like you got sick in the morning, so on and so forth. It's 24 hours. It's a solid 24 hours. If it's 23 hours, 59 minutes and 59 seconds, I will charge you for the session. That's how I've always run my business. I have to treat everybody the same. I don't play favorites. It's 24 hours done. That way you're, you're not trying to, you know, well, this person, this happened, this person, did this happen? I don't necessarily know if the reason that you're telling me is true. I like to think that my clients would all be honest with me. Most of them probably are, but you just never know. So you want to treat every situation the exact same. I know that I am the minority for that one in the fitness industry where it's 24 hours, no matter what. And that's okay. That's just the way that I've always done it. So I think that that's really, really important to do. And the second thing about scheduling too, to make it easy on yourself, fitness professionals, please, please, please try to schedule your clients to meet with you on the same day and the same time every single week consistently. I know what my Mondays look like for personal training every single Monday. I've got this person at 6 a.m. Always. I've got this person at 7 a.m. Always. I've got this person at 10. Always. Yeah, they'll have to reschedule sometimes now and then, but I know what my day is going to look like so that I can fill in those extra gaps with meetings, prospecting. I have phone calls that I have to do, emails, like all those things. I know what it's going to look like and I can pre-plan for it. And if you don't have a plan, you're more likely to not do that stuff anyway. So scheduling is really important, especially with cancellation and having those people there in the same spot. I don't know how you feel about both of those topics, Kyle. No, I think, uh, I think you said it best, but if, what is it? If you don't plan to, if you don't, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's the one, right? So I mean, that's it is it's, it's setting that, setting yourself up from, for success from the beginning. Right. Um, So, yeah. So I think that's touched on everything with the time. Uh, Now, those are the two biggest things. I think um, the other thing that 
you know, kind of can be surprising about being a personal trainer is you think you're coming in there, you're going to teach exercises, you're going to talk nutrition, you're going to get a good sweat on, you're going to high five each other, and then you're going to go about your day. Is that how that goes, Dave? Mm, I don't think so. Nope. <laughs> I, okay. You, uh, if anyone's ever been a bartender, you know that your number one job as a bartender is not serving drinks. It's being a therapist. Well, guess what? Uh, personal training is no different. You are yep. going to have everyone come in there all full of their emotions because in fitness, it's very emotional. So they start working out. They let their guard down, which is a great thing as a trainer. If you are good, they will pour their life out onto you. So we told you yep. before some of the qualities of a good trainer, um, that building the rapport, the relationship, the communication, the uh, they should be comfortable going out and asking us to have a beer with them after after their workout or something, right? Right. Well, that also means that that person is now comfortable telling you about their personal life, the challenges. So you need to be Which ready. is a good thing, by the way. That's a good thing if people are telling you all that stuff, right? That means they trust you. That means right. that their guard has come down. And now if you've achieved that with your client, that means you're actually able to help them because when their guard comes down, right. Now they're listening to you. I think we said earlier in a, an episode about uh, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Well, right. when you when they put their guard down, that means that they know how much you care. So now it is time that you can tell them how much you know. But yep. to get to that, you have to understand that you are their therapist. Uh, I think something like 90% therapist, probably 10% <laughs> fitness, right? Yeah, for sure. But like I said, that is a good thing. Like as a, as a coach or fitness professional, you should know what your clients do for work. You should know where they like to go on vacations, what town they live in, cars they drive, uh, names of their pets and their kids and things like that. Like, because then when they come in, you're able to have those conversations and people are going to trust you more with that stuff than, you know, Oh, here's what we did for a workout last week. We're going to be doing this. It's the antagonist muscle groups. And da, 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 da. like, if you have very advanced people, they care about that stuff. If you have like gen pop just coming in for a good workout, they like hanging out with you. The other stuff is just as important. And I've even had conversations with other coaches and I'll say something like, Oh, like, what do they do for work? And they're like, I don't, I don't know. It's like, you've never asked like what they do for work. No. Oh, okay. This is like, what, what do you guys talk about? Like for an hour or two that you're spending together every single week. It's like, ask those questions because they want to share it with you once they start trusting you, which is super important. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that kind of goes into like, you know, being fun too. We talk about wanting to grab a beer. Like people want you to be fun and, and be real and be yourself. Like I'm not a type of person to like hide who I am to my clients. Like they know that I'm not a big fan of exercising, but I do it anyways. They know that, you know, I like to swear a little bit and I like to have a beer every now and again and I eat pizza and I play video games. And it's like, that's me. I'm not going to always be like dating the personal trainer. Well, the reason that you're feeling that in your hamstrings is because you're da, 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 da. like, I'm just going to be like, hey, that was great. How was your weekend? That's just as important. And, you know, I, I just feel like, as much as some of those uh, CPT books build you up to writing programming should also build you up in terms of saying, you know, building rapport and having those relationships is important. So I know that you wanted to talk about programming a little bit and like how you program and like how that might be different every single time that you work out with somebody. So let's say that you've got someone coming in, you wrote this awesome workout, like what happens next? 
Well, uh, they don't do what you said you were going to do. So that's one thing. Uh, <laughs> no. So, you know, we, as trainers, right, we write these programs, the perfect plan. They get everyone in and then they walk in. They're like limping funny. And you're like, what the hell happened to you, bud? Yeah, what's wrong? Ah, I played What'd kickball over the weekend, tripped and fell on my knee. Well, <laughs> so that way it worked out right out the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think... Uh, I think you mentioned though, it's like this, this preparation, but being prepared to change it as well is know that at any time your client's going to walk in with a different ailment, a different situation. Uh, we talked about the therapist thing from like a mental part, but like a physical therapy side too, is I might be trying to do max deadlifts today. Well, guess right. what? Your hammy hurts. So now I just have to flip the script and go into like a more of a mobility or uh, like hamstring focus type workouts and now not necessarily to do with this episode but i will say if you can be the trainer that people come see when they can't work out you will mm. be successful for the rest of your life every yep. single trainer is out there and they they get a call from their client hey yesterday i banged up my knee i'm not gonna make it today the new trainer is gonna say okay ice it rest it stretch whatever we'll see you next week if you are really good at what you do. And I would implore you to make yourself good at this. Help them with their pain, show them how to get out of pain. Because if you can do that, every time they bang their knee, instead of canceling a session, they're going to call you for extra sessions. Because if yeah. you work out on Wednesdays, and they sprain their ankle on Sunday, they're going to call you and be like, can I get you in on Monday? I'm killing myself right here. Yeah. I'm in pain. I need help. Yep. Um, so the physical therapy side, now, obviously you're not doctors of physical therapy, or maybe you are, which is great. But if you're really doing the personal training thing, um, maybe like a corrective exercise specialist would, yeah. would be kind of play a role into that. And I think it's important too, that we teach our clients that motion is lotion and rest is rust. That is one of my favorite sayings. So, you know, I don't have a physical therapy background. Yeah, I have a corrective exercise certification. It's limited. So if someone to me is like, oh, I, I busted up my knee over the weekend. My response to them is, okay, you can still come in. Like we'll do a couple of things and see if I can, you know, kind of help you out a little bit, but I'm not going to spend a full hour doing like corrective exercise on your knee. But the nice thing is we have all these other exercises that we can do that aren't associated with your knee. We can do all seated exercises for one hour. If I can get your heart rate up and get your, your, your blood to flow through your body and get those happy endorphins running, you will feel better after you come and see me. And that is always my number one goal as a coach. If I can make you feel better, I did my job. Absolutely. So what is the one thing that you have to do? Uh, if you took away one thing from all this, uh, things that you wish you knew, is I uh, had to be more fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah be fun. Just be fun. Like that's really all it is. People want to spend time with you. They go to the facility and work with you because of you, not because of the equipment, not because their friends go there. Hell, maybe they haven't even lost a pound. All right. They're not going there necessarily for the program. They're going there for you. And if you let that shine and let people know that you care about them and you're fun to be around, you're interesting, you have good stories, like you're you know, entertaining, like that's why people come back. It's that confidence level, right? That we talked about last episode, like build that up. People will come back to you for years and years and years, years and years. So be fun. 
Hell yeah. And with that, I think we can sign off as that wraps up today's episode on things I wish I knew before becoming a personal trainer. That's right, baby. So as always, I'm Dayton McPherson. That's and Kyle, Kyle Dune. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the DTF Down to Fitness podcast. Things I wish I knew before becoming a personal trainer. We'll see you next time. Have a great week. Peace. Peace.